hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 41, A Gender Conversation. Yes, my name is Lori Krieg, and I am not here with my husband, Matt, again, but we do have a clinical therapist uh, in the house with Kathy Bush. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you. You are welcome. And my friend, Kat LaPrairie. Welcome, Kat. Hello, hello. Hello. And the voice who introduced us so well. We all sat here and uh, listened to Steve do his day job, which is <laughs> doing the radio work that he does. Yeah. And we just had our jaws dropped with the <laughs> professionality that he uh, does that, uh-huh. as well as uh-huh. your professionalism. Probably professionality is an actual word. Whatever. <laughs> professionalism that you intro this podcast. So thanks, oh, Steve. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, we are talking about gender again this week and I say again because we did recently have Preston Sprinkle and we we did the gender and Jesus conversation although in listening back we didn't talk a ton about Jesus specifically but we did talk about gender and how it relates to the Bible and this time we're going to be talking a little bit more boots on the ground if you will when we talk about gender and so with Kathy Bush's work as a clinical therapist as well as your own journey with uh, your son who experiences gender dysphoria is Mm -hmm. that the way to say experiences gender dysphoria or has gender dysphoria or what how do you say that yeah i mean it probably that's determined by the level maybe of gender dysphoria because as we'll get into there's a diagnosis gender dysphoria and then there's just a general term of gender dysphoria okay yeah so i first heard kathy speak at a leaders forum here in grand rapids recently with Preston and I so appreciated your firsthand experience with your son as well as your awareness of the whole gender conversation and in that boots on the ground level of like getting mm-hmm. it walking with people mm-hmm. as, as well as you've studied a lot and I was like we need to get her on the mm-hmm. podcast to be able to put some of your mind and heart here um, and Kat Kat and I have been if you all watched the journey well webinar last week two weeks ago the mentoring ooh, ooh. one oh no what up uh, we we talked through some of your story as, as we've been walking through a mentoring relationship here which which is awkward. I always feel weird saying like I'm mentoring you because I feel like I learned so much from you. Also, it's like there's Aww. this friendshipy thing. And anyway, I love it. Uh, but we are first before we dive more into Kathy's story and into Kat's story. Um, we are going to ask the question of the week from last week and, and answer some pieces of it, which was on gender. And we talked about what is a gender stereotype or genders? What are some gender stereotypes that have been the most difficult for you to overcome or to just like maybe you're not overcomers of them, but you just kind of nail your head against those gender stereotypes quite frequently. So what what's one that really stands out to you? Uh, OK, <laughs> I uh, I'm, I'm a dude shaking his head and uh, I I. I not every guy is like this, but yeah. I have, have struggled with, you know, uh, being real handy with tools and like auto repair yeah. and like some of those real basic stereotypes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, sports and uh-huh. sorry, Matt, sorry, Matt, who's not here tonight, I know. but he's real into sports He is, and I can't keep up. I would rather watch like the Oscars or the Golden Globes than like the Super Bowl yes. or the Stanley Cup, you know? Yes. And so, thank you. I, yeah, that's... I like that when men and women break gender stereotypes. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Kat, maybe I'll jump to you next. And and Kat identifies as transgender. And Kat, um, born biologically female, and and you prefer the pronouns Kat or they or she. When what? When when is that like okay? Like at what point are you like? I mean, it's cool. 
Yeah. So um, I think it's it's really important for me to have the other person really respecting my gender identity mm-hmm. and like understanding what that means for me um, and really just kind of like seeing who I am. And that would be kind of the first pronoun yeah. usage of cat and just seeing me for that person. Okay, question. I haven't mm-hmm. asked you this off mic, so we'll see where we go with this <laughs> on that. And then I want to hear your gender stereotypes because it'll be interesting with your with your transgender experience, mm-hmm. just like what you might say to that. So I'm actually really curious. But like, at what point does someone know that they maybe have the street cred with cat to use the the she her pronoun? So like, if Steve here who just met you, mm-hmm. he, you know, if like if if you're like I get like maybe I can throw my cred on him and then I don't I don't know like how how would it would it is it a matter of time that you're like okay it's okay or is it more like Steve looks at you compassionately and then you're like I know Steve understands my experience like at what point is it like you get the green light yeah I think um it's not so much to do with time but just like having the conversation and really um for me to get to know your heart because I think your your spirit just bleeds through um, with anything that we're talking about. So I can, it doesn't even have to be that we're talking about gender. It can mm-hmm. just be, do you see me for who I am and, mm-hmm. and understanding that I'm not maybe your typical girl mm-hmm. and um, not going to throw those stereotypes onto me. Yeah. So if he if he stumbles or if he says she, her, totally fine. does he have the green light to be able to? Yeah. Sorry, I'm like super yeah, totally. pressure right now. But I just, I've really oh, been wondering within that. Within this podcast. Yeah, within like this right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that helps, you know? Cause I, I just want, I'm, I'm just all about calling out what's, what's potential awkwardness. Yeah. So let's, mm-hmm. let's dive there. Okay. Yeah. No, that um, that's totally fine. Um, especially because of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, and so learning the language is like a big thing too. So so um, if that person is making an effort to kind of see what my story mm-hmm. is and, yeah, just learning that language of the LGBT, which is mm-hmm. um, crazy big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's difference between maybe from what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. like there's a difference between like this is my girl, Kat, she, Catherine. She right. really is a <laughs> totally. great, you know, like where it's like I'm trying to mold, put you into a mold as opposed to this is Kat. She's my friend. Yeah, instead of like kind of throwing that grenade of like, well, you're biologically female, so I'm going to call you by your birth name. and Until you believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and Got just it. kind of shoving it down. Okay, yeah. so on gender stereotypes, so yeah. what's like, I guess, is it like the female one? Like, what? which ones are you like, nah, these ones drive me crazy? Yeah, so, oh man, there's kind of a lot, but... Um, <laughs> I would say overarching, it would just be like assuming things that I'm into or things that I would or would not be good at. Such as? So so like sports or um, if I were into cars, just like, you know, different car types or fixing cars and things like that. Or even like smoking a cigar. That's Mm. generally is like the man's thing. Mm. So, um, yeah, anything like that, that is just something that would put me into a category in saying like you're other or you are not a part Mm. of this this group and I think the group is just people. Mm. So that just kind of feels like pushing out. So if they hear, for example, okay, so you identify as transgender, like you you prefer, you feel more comfortable dressing in more masculine mm-hmm. clothes. And so for people to then assume, oh, well then I'm just gonna take you out of female box and d- dump you into male box. 
Sorry. Yeah. Mailbox. Sorry. Jokes. <laughs> Sorry. Dad joke button. Where yeah. is it? Where is, Where it? is it? So I would have put you in the mailbox. Oh my gosh, I can't stop. <laughs> that's funny. But then, because that's painful too. So it's kind of like right. the conversation we just had with Steve. It's like, well, okay, do you get that I'm a human person and mm-hmm. this is where I'm, what I'm wrestling with, this is what my walk and, and can you like just listen to me and actually get to know my likes Similar to you, Steve, can you not dump me into the mailbox and uh, just listen and understand my likes? Is that accurate? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, How about for you, Kathy? Gender stereotypes, which have you, it's been difficult for you. I never really cared much about stereotypes. I kind of just did what I wanted to. So the two things that come to mind are the whole running and track arena and then, um, Arm wrestling, running in track. Oh, and arm wrestling. And arm wrestling. Whoa, go there. So, <laughs> go there. Can I explain the track thing first? Sure. It's go, a little okay, less okay. self-conscious. Yes, yes. Um, so I was in track in high school and it got to a point where the girls were too slow. So they had to put me with the guys because they were faster. I was a sprinter. Oh. Um, and so my favorite part was running up these really steep hills because it was really physically um, challenging and my legs would burn and I loved the physical challenge. And mm-hmm. kind of, you know, if you're going to talk about estrogen and testosterone, that feels more testosterone-ish, I guess, to me. You know, mm-hmm. I just loved to push myself physically and even um, to this day when I run and I've got a really strong headwind, I am like, bring it on. You want to go <laughs> toe-to-toe wind, you and me, you know? And so I love that. And then... Um, I actually like challenging um, the male gender <laughs> to arm wrestling because Dang. they, I mean, it's just a way to physically challenge myself. And a lot of times, you know, what they'll say is they didn't expect to stay in the, you know, the initial hold position as yeah. long as they did. And they're like, you, you're stronger than you look. So I don't do it to beat anybody. I just, it's just a fun physical challenge for me. So I have I beaten like a couple this. guys, but <gasps> there we go. This is a good conversation. Uh, stereotypes for me. Um, I know growing up, I was so frustrated. Again, there's seven girls and five boys in my family. And I would fall in the category of not helpful in the family. I would hide when it was time to make dinner and or do the dishes. But it was harder after eating dinner to avoid doing the dishes. Also, we had to like go in order of birth order. And then there was like kitchen jobs, quote unquote including a song for when we did our kitchen jobs. Why am I talking about this? I can't stop talking. (laughs) Anyway, I would try and avoid doing the dishes, but I'd be like, why do the girls, or making food, I'm like, why do the girls always have to make the food? Why do the boys always have to do it? And it just kind of was. True. Mm -hmm. It just was what you did. Mm. So... When I graduated college, I avoided it so much that I remember looking at a package of chicken and being like, how do I make this pink chicken turn not pink? (laughs) So, and I'm a vegetarian. There we go. (laughs) But I actually am. Well, we're trying. Side note. Sorry. Anyway, I'm going to stop talking. Let's move on to Goofball Island. Okay. So we are going to take, oh, bless you. Dear Steve, how you're going to do oh boy. this vehicle, yeah. which is actually an animal, a groundhog. <laughs> it's Groundhog Day! Get up and shit that hog out there! Yeah. Come here, groundhog. There we go. There we go. Uh-huh. Taking that groundhog. Okay, we're going to play Would You Rather. I know we've done this one before, guys. And for those of you who are hoping for a good old-fashioned goofball island game, 
send me ideas because <laughs> mama has a lot to do. So please help me out. Well, Lori gr- at HIMHministries.com. Yes, The Steve? great thing about Would You Rather is that it's different every time. It is. You know, so there's variation within the form. There is. Yeah. Okay. And I happened upon a great website who fed me these lines. Okay. So why we rode a groundhog, it wasn't just because I'm exhausted and felt like it. Would you rather relive the same day for 365 days or lose a year of your life? So for those of you who haven't seen the movie Groundhog Day, Groundhog Day is where the the lead character, what's his face? Phil. Phil. What's his real name? Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Yes, there it is. Uh, Wakes up in like every day. I don't know how many days. Probably was at least 365. Oh, yeah. He wakes up and he has to do the same day over and over, which happens to be Groundhog Day. So what would you guys rather do? Same day, 365 days or lose a whole year of your life? I would rather lose a year. Yeah? Could, yeah. Would you pick the year? Do you feel like you could go Ooh. back and be like, that one, actually? <laughs> uh, no, I'd probably want to be surprised, but maybe one that already happened. Yeah? So somebody else picks the year of your past that you lose? I guess, yeah. Because In this hypothetical, <laughs> mythical place that we're at. <laughs> yeah, totally. Where groundhogs can be written. <laughs> uh, Barbie fairy movies they ride all sorts of animals oh my word where's matt he's the one who grounds me in this groundhog (laughs) story okay steve uh i'd go with cat i would rather lose a year of my life Mm -hmm. um because it gets me closer to heaven oh my word so you're like the last year of (laughs) my life that one everything up to and what was going to be the last year you know just like uh we'll just delete that all right, Francis Chan, you <laughs> you're welcome in this place. <laughs> I would rather repeat. Um, I Whoa. think it's because you know I had I'm a little older and I had kids when I was older and I the thought of losing more time is just sad to me. So I'd rather Aww. relive. 365 days. Mm-hmm. Would what would you do with those? Would you just do the same? Did you, see this was when I threw this at Matt. He's like, do I get to pick the day? And so he's like, like Christmas or vacation day over and over and over. So would you pick the day or you're like, whatever day? It wouldn't matter. Whatever. As long as I wouldn't have to Cute. lose another year. Oh, you that's do sweet. get the opportunity like uh, Bill Murray's character to like practice and get it yep. right and do things over. And you get so it's like a oh, it's like I a like do over. So oh, there is that is that. good. Mm-hmm. That is really good. So that's what I would choose also. And the, oh, we'll just call it my sinful nature, wants to straight up Bill Murray it, where yeah. before he decides to be good and like steal things, <laughs> like get really rich and see how many like shows I could get on. I am like nailing this podcast this week, but I really would. But then I'd probably by day 360 be like, okay, I'll do good in the last five days. I earn treasures in heaven. There you go. Okay, would you rather be alone for the rest of your life or always surrounded by annoying people? Right? (laughs) We have a therapist in the house. I think you have to pick the second one no matter what. (laughs) Yeah, I would. I'd rather be around annoying people. Yeah, than be alone. Being alone for the rest of my life would be hard, you know? Although I I do get fueled by alone time. I need my alone time. Yeah. Um, But, you know, yeah, I'd rather be with annoying people because, you know, yeah. We could work on that. <laughs> That's yes. true. Yeah, I don't want to answer first yet. This time. Okay. I'm glad she answered first. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, uh, that like, one. Yeah, that Ditto. sounds really great because I was going to go with alone <laughs> first off. 
We'll just have you answer the rest of the questions yeah. first. Yeah. Yeah. I think whatever right. that is. Mm. Okay, so you're going with whatever Kathy said? Yeah. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I like the idea of being alone for a while, but the yeah. rest of my life, yeah. like, Oof. of course... Much. I'm one year less than it was going to be. So there is that. Yes. <laughs> Combining. One less year of aloneness. No, I think I probably would go with annoying people and just, I don't know, a Endure. really good book, earbuds, something <laughs> like that I can escape noise periodically. Because yeah. is it the noise, the annoying people are like constantly like yelling in your ear and poking you? Like, I guess. Depends on the level of annoying. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Totally. But it's... again, you probably have techniques, Kathy, to yeah, be able to help us stop their annoying yeah, habits. Yeah. I immediately thought, oh, interpersonally annoying. Well, that we can work on. Yeah. That's what I never thought of people poking my ears or whatever you just <laughs> said. Yeah. I do have toddlers. Yeah. This is true. The amount of times I have to say, stop licking me (laughs) is way more than I thought I would ever have to say, which is zero. I thought I would have to say that. Mm. Okay. I'm with y'all. I I can't say be alone at this point. So I'm going to say annoying people. No, I really, that's a hard one. I do Mm -hmm. agree. Okay. Would you rather live without the internet or live without AC and heating? (gasps) AC and heating. Oh, no. What would um, I thought we were? I thought we decided we were just going to do whatever Kathy said. <laughs> no, I was contemplating. I was, yeah. I was thinking AC. I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, take that away. In the right. winter of Michigan, yeah, yikes, we're frozen. Mm-hmm. I grew up. Uh, there were a couple winters we lived in Wisconsin. There were a couple winters that we couldn't afford heat. We did <gasps> not come from um, large financial means, and so we literally couldn't afford to heat our home. Oh. For a couple of winters in Wisconsin, so what did you do? I do not like living with. Um, well, my there was a farmer who one of the years um, said, "Okay, if you work for me all day every day, I'll give you some wood." You were given a heater, a, like a wood stove mm-hmm. for our kitchen, and we'd use that wow. um, and sleep near there, near the. Oh, yeah. I love. This is why you have such a tender mm-hmm. heart. Oh. That's a piece of it. Okay. So you wow. would say you don't like to live without heat. So you'd say. Yeah, that wasn't no. fun. But, yeah. you know, I do kind of get now in this day and age how indispensable in some ways the Internet is. But mm-hmm. still, I mean, you can I think we can live without that as long yeah. as we have people near us. We don't need the Internet, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd for sure nix the Internet. I just my life would be so much more simple and I, mm-hmm. I would prefer, yeah. especially the heat. I, we don't have AC at our house, yeah. so it's the heat. Right. I, I feel mm-hmm. like certain certain aspects of the internet easily i like easily yes. i think of them yeah as, those are the first things i think of when i hear internet oh yeah, yeah. but then there are other things I, like for my job that right it's mm. sort of useful Impossible. right mm-hmm. right uh so i don't know um i've got a pretty wide tolerance for temperature mm-hmm. which my wife hates because <laughs> in the winter i'm always turning it down yeah. you know and, and so forth but anyway uh yeah i think i'm gonna go with no internet. Wow. I so, like how you were like, you did that like yeah. final answer. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I thought about, I thought about well, maybe in the winter I could, I could just migrate south, you know, right. but I don't know. It'd be rough in the winter without heat. Yes. Yeah. I'd have to go with internet too. Yeah. It would make things a lot simpler for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd almost mm-hmm. be better. Yeah. Okay. Last one. Would you rather be transported permanently 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past? They're all very time related. Past. Past? For sure. So this is what what what's 
yeah, do the math. Eighteen minus five hundred, so like yeah. fifteen hundreds ish. Oh yeah. yeah. So wow. like the Reformation, Luther. Oh yes. Also, oh. women treated horribly. Yeah. Oh. Also, no, no internet or he no or gender AC. neutral bathrooms. That's for <laughs> sure. Well, like just go outside. Yeah. They're, that, they're that's all true. gender go. neutral. Yeah, you're right. They're all just holes <laughs> outside. Here's a shovel. That solves it. <laughs> I mean, I. Oh, I Matt. So again, I talked to Matt, so I'm cheating a little bit, getting his brain as well on this. But he's like 500 years in the future, because then you can cross your fingers and hope Jesus returned. But yeah. What? <laughs> Maybe not right cross answer. your fingers, cross yourself. <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> Anybody else? Future, because maybe it's more hopeful. Yeah, because we mm. know what 16, 1500s looked like. Yeah. I can't do math. What is it? Seriously, it's 1500. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Oh my It'd God. Be like 1518. 1518. Yep. Thank you. Well yeah. done. Yeah. I, I think I'd go future. I like history. I really like history. Yeah. And But I'm thinking maybe in the future, they know more about mm-hmm. history and have written more books. So I yeah. can go there and just study <laughs> about the past. And then you can start your years of solitary confinement. <laughs> without with the annoying people. people. <laughs> yeah, without yeah. them. Got it. In the 500 years in the future, let's be honest. We're the annoying people, probably. Oh, if we just yeah. showed up there, what's yeah. this? What's this? What's this? Like, why are right. they talking? <laughs> so I'm just going straight to Wally, and they just be like, "Just take your silence pill and take your food pill and go to yes. sleep." Anyway, okay, we're moving on. Oh, taking that groundhog back, and we are going to the heart of the matter. And the reason I say this every week, but it's still important. We reason we do this podcast is talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. So we love inviting guests on here uh, to to hear their story of how this death to self, life in Christ, is is not just a past tense. This is my past tense testimony, but this is like ongoingly good news for you today. And we often talk about things related to sexuality and gender. And so I'm so grateful for Kathy and for Kat being here. Um, Kat, I'm going to start with you. We've now been able to share together in different venues uh, Mm -hmm. as far as like hearing some of your story. And I know God's still writing it like he's writing mine. Um, But Kat, uh, tell us a little bit just about your story of just walking as someone wrestling with your gender as a kid and and in the church. Yeah. So um, I was born and raised in a Christian home and I always just felt like a guy. I always related more to um, maleness and masculinity. Um, when I would see like a poster or a picture, like a magazine cover and there'd be male and female people on it, I would always identify more with the male person on that cover, uh, thinking to myself when I grow up, I want to be like that guy. So, um, that was just like a big disconnect from what clothing I was putting on and then what I was seeing in the mirror. So that was just kind of how that disconnect looked for me. Mm. So within the church, um, I went to the same church all throughout, you know, elementary, middle school, high school. Um, so I was, you know, known as cat and like a tomboy and stuff like that. So, um, but there were just like some messages that were kind of put out there, like how to be feminine and this is how we honor God with our bodies and, and how we honor God with our femininity. And so I saw myself not being feminine Mm. and I just kind of drew my own conclusion to that, that I must not be honoring God um, 
because I'm kind of, I'm just not feminine. Mm. Um, and so that led to me kind of just getting away from the church and doing my own exploration and, and, um, living life kind of without God and, and just kind of on my own, I felt like I had done that whole thing. I did the God thing and that didn't really work out. So, um, and not to mention just the whole friction of the LGBT conversation within the church um, and that just not being a safe place to to go and to really wrestle with what I was feeling on the inside, um, the attractions that I was experiencing also to women. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was just was, it kind of left me a little empty. Yeah. And it wasn't even anything over that the church mm-hmm. did. It just was more of these from what we've talked about. So I'm pulling from other For conversations sure. yep. we've had, but just it, from what I, I know, just these conversations that were like, this is the trajectory of your life mm-hmm. is you marry someone of the opposite gender and you get married and you have babies. And it, and it wasn't even like, so if you're not feeling this, you're a terrible person. Or if you're wrestling right. with your gender, like you're, ter- it was none of that. It just was like, the 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 thesis statement of the church the trajectory the pathway of ideal quote unquote what you say god honoring mm-hmm. uh life was to marry someone of the opposite gender have babies and then do men's and women's ministry and all that so mm-hmm. i love when when you've shared with me how you're like i didn't want to dishonor god and my family right. and the church and i know that there's sin nature and all that mixed up in it but in that that was kind of a precious motivation in some ways to be like by church like yeah. you're telling me i don't belong i also don't want to hurt you in some ways so right. i think i need to just separate here is that accurate yeah totally so i was just basically filling in the gaps of of what the opposite of the how that looks so like you know dressing like this or, you know, being modest and things like that. That's how we honor God. And so it was just me filling in my own gaps and not, not so much people telling me this is where I fit and I don't fit. Right. Um, It just wasn't talked about. And so you just, when you don't hear those sentences that are in your head, you just make assumptions. Yeah. So then that began, Kat, you went to to school, you went to university and you, Mm -hmm. that was like 10 years of I don't know. Talk about those next 10 years. Yeah. So I wasn't in school for 10 years. Oh, but sorry. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I did go to college um, and not a Christian university. And so I kind of just looked to other things and tried to figure out who I am within the world. And um, yeah, God didn't play a huge role in that because from my perspective, I thought that God really didn't like me too much, mm. um, that I just wasn't being what he envisioned for me or what he designed. Mm-hmm. Um, so that left me to fill in my own gaps. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I jumped from relationship to relationship um, with different women. And at the end of the day, it just was kind of not enough and mm-hmm. still felt that emptiness. And I was like, oh man, that didn't work. Oh no. <laughs> so, so now what? And um, I always kind of knew now what, you know, God, that's mm. what. So um, that just tugging at my heart and I had felt it throughout those 10 years. Um, like off and on, like it would yeah. just kind of like come up in the middle of the night. Or Honestly, just... yeah. Like it would wake me up out of a sleep um, oh. a few different times where it would just be <gasps> like almost a gasping. Um, it was, it's yeah, pretty crazy. And then just me trying to roll over and kind of shake it off. Like this gasping for uh, God. Yeah. Oh. In like air. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I just told God no enough 
that um, I was like, no, no, not right now. And so um, it was actually when I was in college a second time. So I can't, I, I quit college and, and basketball I, I played and um, I kind of came back. And so the second time I was in school um, listening to a pastor, I just felt really numbed out, mm. just felt really, you know, wasn't convicted and that scared me to death. Mm. Um, I didn't know. I didn't do anything about it at that point. Because you weren't um, going to church. It just correct. This, you're like, why am I not feeling anything? Yeah. I was like, this This is like, I'm, I'm an emotional person. This guy is like really charismatic and I should be vibing with this guy and like just ready to, you know, go up there for the altar call. Um, and I just didn't because I, I knew myself in those situations previous growing up. Um, so yeah, that scared me, but not enough to do anything about it. But I just remembered that moment of just that, oh, crap type mm. feeling of God's done with me. Mm. Like he's he's listening oh. and he's he, I've said no enough. And and now he's making my heart cold. Wow. So that was a scary moment. Yeah. And a couple of years went on, um, was in a relationship and felt like oh, I just need to go back to church. And so I convinced my girlfriend at the time to to come to church with me Um which was like going through my checklist of like, you know, no PDA and like, how do I act? And are they even going to know that I'm a female and, mm. and all of these different things. Um, and then just getting hit like so hard, like mm. in the gut where it was just like, no, 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 I want you. Mm. And um, so the different sermon a different experience with mm-hmm. it, like a pastor speaking, but this time you you felt it. It was like not even the pastor's words, uh, right? Like it was just it was like totally the Holy Spirit, <laughs> just saying, "Nope, you're mine," and kind of, um, well, that that song, am I allowed to say it? No longer Go for slaves. It. Yeah, um, that song really hit home, and as soon as they said fear, hmm. I just started just crying and I was like don't do it here you know like even that 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 like inside me of like shove that down um of being in the church and feeling vulnerable like that um a place where you've been wounded for sure yeah But that fear, so, and I think we're going to talk about it later, but like bathrooms, bathrooms are like a big uh, fearful place for me Um, because when I enter, I don't look like your stereotypical woman going into the female restroom. So it's not because I'm, I I want to go to the bathroom with men. Mm -hmm. It's because I want to use the the bathroom that I was designed and, you know, supposed to use, but the looks that I get entering obviously would be a little jarring of kind of, oh, you're in the wrong bathroom mm-hmm. and kind of these these stairs and things like that. So fear mm-hmm. was a very present and it still is a present thing in my life. Mm-hmm. And so when it talks about um, you're no longer a slave to fear, mm-hmm. my mind couldn't even wrap my head around what mm-hmm. that looks like of kind of like, wait a minute, I don't have to fear mm-hmm. because I'm a child of God, like get out. So and it was just like, no, like, but God, you don't understand. I'm LGBT. I'm, I, I identified as a lesbian at that point, have since come out as transgender. And so that 
whole thing, I was like, I don't even know how we're going to unpack this. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Unpacking. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's kind of my journey. And um, So can I mm-hmm, jump in totally. a little? So at that point, I, I, Kat and I go to the same church, and I see Kat start coming and I'd only been going for a few months with with your girlfriend and I mm-hmm. I I knew you were a girl and I, I assumed that you identified as LGBT right pretty, assumption pretty discerning <laughs> I mean but um I just started praying for you because I'm like God I'm doing this ministry and I don't want to just say talk a good talk I actually want to love people mm-hmm. especially people in my church are you kidding me and so I just prayed for you for months and then there was a time when I, it was like during the meet and greet and I just felt the spirit just be like, go, go do it. And I, I noticed again, I like hearing your perspective on this, but I noticed that Kat would come in sometimes late for church and I just put myself in Kat's shoes and I was like, that would feel terrible. I would feel really like, I just put myself in my own middle schooler shoes where you're like, where do I sit at the cafeteria? It's this terrible feeling. And especially I know how it can feel other as an LGBT person in the church. And so I was like, I walked up to you and I was like, Hey, my name's Lori. We talked a little bit. And then I was like, Hey, I just want you to know that whenever um, you come to church you always have a place with me and my family. And I, you were like, okay. And then we talked for a few more minutes. But what were you thinking in that moment? I was totally thinking, all right, great. Uh, but she's doing can, sarcastic face. You, yeah, you can check that, um, that befriend person off of your list of things to do. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of where my head was at. Uh, no wounding from Christianity. Ugh. Yeah, right. So yeah, that that's definitely where my, my head was at of um, just feeling like you were fulfilling your Christian duty. Mm-hmm. Um, however, mm-hmm. there was a boldness and a courageous, that, that took courage to, to just do and, and to come up with that line of "Hey, that was I noticed not me, it's God. Yeah, hey, I noticed you coming late. Like that was um, nobody had done that oh. until that point. So <laughs> it was very sweet for me, and I, I didn't just brush it off, even though internally I was kind of trying to. Yeah, um, yeah. And then you, we talked a little bit. You mm-hmm. like ask what I. Do like ask what you did. Yeah, and, and then, I don't normally engage in that in conversation. Chit-chat. Yeah, and then like, you ask me what I do, and I, that always is scary for me because I'm like, uh oh, I don't know where you uh-oh. stand. I don't know. So I just said I'm trying to I'm t- working with LGBT people mm-hmm. in the church, trying to bridge the gap. And you thought I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> okay, so yeah, you gave me like just a hole in my heart, which I I think I immediately forgot, and I was like trying to like what was that called? I was like, I was going to Google it and look up some stuff. And so I, I surfed a little bit um, and just kind of read through some blogs and I'm like, okay, yeah, uh, I don't know about this whole thing if I'm ready to mm-hmm. dive into that. But um, yeah, some, some months passed and I was just, yeah, God working, um, was really at a crossroads of, I had come out as transgender um, and I was like, am I going to transition? And I have to figure out how I'm going to live the rest of my life. And for those who are listening, don't know what transition means. That would mean Mm. to like start taking hormones and to transition from biological female to like surgery and whatever. There's different levels that you could do, but to Mm -hmm. transition to more, to more maleness for lack of a better Mm -hmm. term. For sure. Uh, And so you were going Mm -hmm. to like counseling, like trying to like think that through and. Yeah. And uh, it was very much, 
accepted um, where I was going to, where I was seeking counseling at. Um, it was kind of like, let me know when you're ready to make that step. And I wasn't sure at that point, um, but definitely had this whole, I was, I was really struggling with gender dysphoria, just feeling like, I mean, it comes in waves, um, how I experience it. So um, it was really high um, when I was going to counseling and kind of thinking about this transitioning thing. And because I just didn't want to spend the rest of my life figuring out how I was going to live the rest of my life. I just wanted to pick something and like, let's go with it. Mm. Um, and so that's when I reached out to, to Lori. I, I messaged her and just said, like, I want to know what God thinks of me. I'm sick of hearing what the church thinks about transgender people or the LGBT. Like, how does God see me? And really, I think that is the biggest question um, that we can really ask. And he's, that's the only opinion that really matters. So that in Lori coming alongside of me and like helping me with that and really bridging um, the gap between my wrestling and how I get to God and how I, how I do that. Um, I'm able to, I was able to experience God and like really what he thought of me. And he wasn't, doing the frown face with a shoulder turn. Um, he was actually like, dude, finally, like I've been waiting and I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah. Pretty crazy. It's so, it's been so neat to journey with Kat. And I didn't know that we'd get into our whole relationship mentorship, but I'm glad we did Mm -hmm. because it just like, it wasn't Lori, the executive director of this ministry, trying to bridge the gap between the church and LGBT people. This was Lori, who is a fellow church member to uh, a sibling in Christ Mm -hmm. at church. And I just was, because I remember in that message to me, you're like, your courage doesn't go unnoticed. So Mm -hmm. tired of the, what the world says and the church says I am will you help me figure out what God says? So just for those even listening, like I am, I have been studying this, but I have, I have no PhD, no master's, but I have a heart that really loves people. And, and, in just a secret that's not secret because everybody will cat, you know it. I have in my journeying with Kat and I, we talked about this in depth, like some of what that journeying is like on our, our last webinar, journey while webinar uh, for mentors, I have been really trying to take my controlling claws off of Cat and really try and position you to get your heart, your, your heart needs met by the love of the Father. Mm-hmm. And um, it has mm-hmm. been such an honor to watch you increasingly, I'm going to like weep, but mm-hmm. surrender yourself to Christ and be like, like you still, you look the same, like every, but your <laughs> heart is so changed because it's this softer spirit and it's this person who is like uh i'm gonna cry but you're just you love jesus and it's like i sometimes when we meet i just can't help but cry because i'm like jesus loves you so much and he's so proud of you um anyway thank you yeah like the biggest thing um too after meeting with you um over the course of months i was like i don't know what Lori thinks about anything I just said. (laughs) Like she's not giving me advice about, Hey, you probably should choose this way (laughs) or, you know, Hey, I'm in this dilemma. What, what do you think I should choose? I would have no idea, but she listens. And in that just like bringing me back to God and helping me facilitate a relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm. Like that is 
why she's so cool and like why this whole thing is working. It's not like if she were to leave, it would be, I don't know where to go. Mm -hmm. No, she led me to like water. Mm -hmm. High five. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't know if I can recover. Thank you, Kat. Thank you for sharing your heart so beautifully and deeply and yeah. Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna shift now to Kathy. I think we all just need to worship for a little bit. <laughs> like, can we just play no longer slaves and just get worship mode or something? Um, but Kathy, you are you are involved, intrinsically involved in this conversation. The gospel is good news for you, and so if you are willing to share a snapshot of your story, you mm-hmm. even mentioned like some of this kind of sounds like impoverished life that mm-hmm. you grew up in, and unquestionably that can either make us bitter, bitter or better, but mm. really can. And so like what, how, how was the gospel first good mm-hmm. news for you and how is it now? And then especially as you're walking with your son who, who wrestles mm-hmm. with gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, we went to a, you know, one of the, it's a religion, a major religion. I, I don't know if I should say which one, but it, a church yeah. of this religion. And uh-huh. um, uh, there was never any, um, message given that we could talk to God in a conversational tone or even huh. read the Bible. I thought only priests could read the Bible and mm. um, prayers had to be certain words, you know, the the official prayers um, mm. is how we would communicate with God. Um, but then I think in my eighth grade year of um, school, one of the people from the church gave me the verse John four sixteen or fourteen six, hmm. where Jesus said, "I'm the way and the truth and the life, and yes. no one comes to the Father except through me." And that really was confusing for me. I didn't understand why I had to use Jesus to get to God. I didn't understand that. And so I went out one day to the back of our house and um, talked to both Jesus and God, and just said, "I don't, I don't get it. I mean, no hmm. offense to you, Jesus, but why do I need you to get to God? Can I just talk to you, God?" And I, it was just a conversation. And um, then I started high school and that's when I met people who um, actually talked to God like they're having a conversation. They actually read the Bible and they told me what the Bible said. And so mm-hmm. I kind of understood um, the you know the truth of that better. And then I would say my sophomore year, really, um, at that time, years ago, the book, The Four Spiritual Laws was popular. Yeah. And I know sometimes people even like kind of make fun of it now, but that prayer at the end um, which kind of gets into a, a controversial theological issue. And, um, you know, I, I, I know that, but the phrase, I kind of give you the throne of my life meant mm. something to me because mm. even as, um, you know, at that age, I knew that God was the creator, the Holy one, and you don't commit anything to God unless you're serious, you mm. know? So, although I think I, I believed in, at that time, there was something that um, was significant to me about saying I actually give, I, I totally give my life to you. Like I, I know who I'm talking to because I was withholding. I wasn't going to give my life to him unless I really meant it. And, you know, in, in honor of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God, go in there to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth. So let your words be few. Um, I hope I quoted that correctly, but um, great. you know, I, so it, at that point it was like New Year's Eve. I, I at that point I could finally say um, I'm, 
literally giving you my life. And I Mm. knew it wasn't quip. It was like, I've thought long and hard about this. Mm. You are, I know who I'm talking to. I'm talking to the Holy Creator God and I am literally giving it all to you from here on. This is my life. And that was it. So it was a done deal. You you can't go back when you talk to God, you know, it's like you, yeah. So you were all in. Yeah. That's why I have my ear pierced. Um, I have my ears pierced, but one of them is a a cross. I kind of took myself to the door and, um, told him I'd be his servant for life. His bond servants. Mm -hmm. That's like an old Testament when the servants were like, I love you master. And you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to stay with you forever. And so they took an all, I remember that (laughs) and nailed their ear to the door. And so, uh, you didn't do it to the door. But you did do that. I love it. So now here you are, um, a clinical therapist, and you have your son. You have three children. And one of them, uh, your son, wrestles with gender dysphoria. So how how does the gospel just this, I don't know, how does that play in your parenting? And, and maybe even before we dive into there, what is gender dysphoria for people? We've thrown that around a little mm-hmm. bit, but what is gender dysphoria before we talk a little bit about your relationship with your son? Okay. Um, I'm going to go to the DSM-5, which okay. is the uh, book that we as clinicians have to use to make uh, or confirm if someone has a diagnosis or not. And mm-hmm. not to be stigmatizing, it's actually kind of helpful. People often, have, you know, similar to if you were to go to a doctor and say, like, I have all these problems, what is going on? Mm-hmm. And they'll say, oh, well, that cluster of symptoms means that you have this. It's like a relief. Mm-hmm. So I view it as a, a good thing. It helps us understand what's going on. Right. Um, I have a good friend whose daughter um, has suffered with it quite extensively. And she felt so relieved when she had a name for it. And yes. she just felt validated. So um, I'm going to just kind of explain what um, what it says in, in the DSM. If, if we were to take apart the words individually, dysphoria, just as far as the, what the dictionary says, Merriam-Webster, right? It says yeah. a state of feeling very unhappy, uneasy, um, or dissatisfied. Hmm. Um, for gender, what does gender mean? I like the definition that Mark Yarhouse uses in his gender dysphoria book. Um, he defines it as the psychological, social, and cultural aspects of being male or female. And then Mark again in that book, defines gender identity as how you experience yourself or think of yourself as male or female, including how masculine or feminine a person feels. So those would be just the words broken down. And then if we were to go to the actual definition, um, the DSM does allow us uh, to use it as like a general term because there's a couple points in the DSM where they talk about gender dysphoria as a general term. Um, And then they define the actual diagnosis. They divide it up between children and adults because it presents just a little bit differently in children. Hmm. But for adolescents and adults, um, it's the main point is that it's a marked incongruence between one's experienced or expressed gender and one's assigned gender, which means the gender at birth. Hmm. Um, One has to have this for at least six months. And then they give a list of six points and the person has to meet two of them. Just to give you a little... um, clue as to what that sounds like. One of the points is a strong desire to be of the other gender, um, a strong conviction that one has the typical feelings and reactions of the other gender. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the flavor of it. But really the crux of it, the core component, I guess, you know, would be that first statement mm-hmm. um, that marked incongruence. I don't feel like the gender, the, the biological sex that I was given at birth. Mm-hmm. Um But what makes it diagnosable in terms of the official diagnosis is that it's associated with clinically significant distress or impairment in social, occupational, or other important areas of functioning. So someone can have gender dysphoria, but it could feel incongruent and and be distressful. But to 
for it to reach diagnosable level, it has to cause clinically significant impairment or distress. Mm. And I'm glad, Kat, that you brought up that, you know, you had alluded to it, it was very bad at one point. I think mm-hmm. that as I've heard adults talk about it, as they mm-hmm. look back on their life, they talk about it waxing and waning at various points. Mm. Um, and, and there are some people, it, the stories aren't out there as much, I don't think, but they are there that some after, once they get into adulthood, um, their gender dysphoria just dissipates and they don't struggle with it. Mm. Afterwards, I have a good friend who, who that was her experience. Deborah mm. So, a sex neuroscience, has that experience. But not everybody. Sometimes it persists the rest of their life and mm-hmm. it gets worse. Like everybody's story is unique with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, like with my son, for example, he, well, let me let me break up this clinically significant distress or yeah, impairment Yeah, that's what I wanted to hear. Areas. What's that mean? Yeah. So for an adult, it would be more occupational. For kids and teens, we think academic. So if the dysphoria is so strong that they can't focus on their work and their grades are going down or they have to drop out of school, that happens. That is causing clinically significant impairment. Mm. Socially, it could be they withdraw. Um, Maybe they still are involved with some friends, but for the most part, they've withdrawn. That would be another example. Um, you know, activities that they were once involved in, maybe they were really involved in soccer or, you know, another sport and they've completely dropped out of that. Mm-hmm. So if it's causing impairment or distress, yeah. the, I think of the bathroom issue a lot. So if, mm-hmm. if there was a teenager, for example, who was in class, needed to use the bathroom, but was so anxious about it because they knew what might come and they're mm-hmm. really uncomfortable because they have to use the bathroom and they can't focus on what the teacher's saying. Um, it, they're not even hearing what's going on in class. To me, that's distressing enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a clinician, I would be like, yeah, that's causing significant significant distress. Right. But if somebody's like, oh, okay, I really don't like it. I'm so uncomfortable, but okay, I'm going to go anyway. And mm-hmm. maybe that teen has ways to kind of get through the bathroom situation. Okay. I've gotten through it, done, mm-hmm. over. That would be distressful, but I don't know that that would cross the line. And and that's really where it gets into um, clinical kind of judgment. When mm-hmm. When is it an official diagnosis and when isn't it? But sometimes it's really cut and dry and it should be because somebody's having suicidal ideation or major depression along with it. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's not so cut and dry and sometimes they just have gender dysphoria and they're doing okay in the midst of it. What is the percent of people who are actually diagnosed with gender dysphoria? So these rates are from the DSM that was published in 2013. So natal males, biological males, at that point, they're reporting the rates of gender dysphoria as a diagnosis were um, 0.005, so five per thousand, all the way up to 0.014, so that'd be like 14 per thousand. And then in natal females, it was 0.002, which would be two per thousand, or up to 0.003. Now, statistics are tricky because at that point, as I understand it, those were people that were presenting for treatment in specialty clinics. Um, So, you know, think of all the people that weren't included in that statistic because Mm -hmm. they may have gender dysphoria, but they're not in a specialty clinic seeking assistance. Right, right. Today, you know, I think as time goes on, we're hearing through the studies that are coming out that the rates have been rising or that they're just known now like they weren't before. It's um, kind of hard to make sense of sometimes. You can, you know, there's rates, transgender rates versus just GD, uh, Mm -hmm. teen girls seem to be on the rise. Gender dysphoria. So trans, what's the difference between transgender? So someone who might identify as transgender versus someone who says, I experience gender dysphoria. Yeah. Is that are they one in the same? That's or are they a really good question because that I've thought a lot about that because if you read material from the experts, they'll often put gender dysphoria lumped into transgender, but. Mm-hmm. 
according to the culture that my son is in and in his, you know, kind of yeah. where we live in the area of the country, according to them, you can be gender dysphoric and not be transgender. You might mm-hmm. not choose to identify yourself as transgender. So transgender is the identity statement. Is this, And this is what I understand. It seems to be the identity statement to this gender dysphoria experience is, is that, but which both are experiential from what I understand from what I'm reading and maybe Kat, you can jump in here too, but it. Yeah. I mean, um, my son would say that he has gender dysphoria, but he's not transgender. There's nothing, he's not um, expressing himself in a way that is on any sort of the continuum, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, you would look at him and, and you would think that he is male. I mean, his, his okay. hair is longer. He's got his ears pierced, things like that. Mm-hmm. But there's a ton of guys with yeah. longer hair and their ears pierced. And mm-hmm. so it's nothing really unusual for where we live. Yeah. Um, so whereas in in where we live, the people who call the, the teenagers, I'd say, who call themselves transgender are ones that maybe were born uh, say, for example, biological female and now are expressing themselves as male. Maybe they've changed their pronoun. They've maybe changed their name mm-hmm. to a, a male name, mm-hmm. things like that. That's what that's how they're identifying as transgender. Um, so. So we touched on this a little bit, but we see this uptick in people who are identifying not only as transgender, but as LGBT in general. So there's some some statistics that came out recently. So it's uh, like four percent of Gen, your your generation, Gen X, millennials yep. Yep. Uh, identify as LGBT. Seven percent, and then it's twelve percent of Gen Z identifies as LGBT. So it's gone from four seven to twelve. And and I know um, you mentioned this a little bit when I when I saw you speak alongside Preston, but just like this, like. What what can, is it is it that we're discovering it more just that people feel the freedom to be able to identify as like what they're wrestling with inside or is it is it trendy because I'm sure there's people who are listening they're like oh my word this is this is just on trend they're rolling their eyes and oh my word like what what do you think about that relationship between is this just a safer world that we live in where people can actually express their experience or is it that it's trendy hmm. I think both or all can be going on yeah. Um, because it is a safer environment to talk about these things. Yeah. There are people, I think, that and, and kids that are feeling more free to talk about it, perhaps. Um, there is, I think, something, um, as you hear, just anecdotal or you read things as you're doing your own research yeah. about sometimes kids doing it in terms of, you know, the trans trending kind of contagion phenomenon. But right. um, I think the, for the kids who really are experiencing it, um, you know, it often does start early. So this is something that they've not asked for. They mm. just have felt this way yeah. and, and it just is what it is. And and hopefully they have people to talk to and feel supported. Yeah. So they're not feeling um, so alone. So let's say a parent like here's their kid come forward. So or, or people who are trying to uh, lean into this conversation more gracefully and they're like, OK, they, they're maybe listening to this podcast right now and they're like, OK, this is maybe legitimate. So they're wrestling with that. Like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I'm hearing this isn't just a trendy thing. Cause I, mm-hmm. I know there's kind of a lot of exasperated sighs out there. Like, why do we have to identify? Why do we mm-hmm. do these letters? Why do I have to care? Why? Oh my word, cat with the bathroom. I'm, I'm just sorry. I'm playing devil's advocate here. You all, you know, my heart, mm-hmm. but like they just do this eye roll exasperated. Come on. Are you kidding me? So what would you say to them? <sighs> 
Well, <laughs> um, I'm struggling a little bit because when people aren't receptive and open and loving, I'm probably not going to want to talk to them anyway. <laughs> if because I talk to safe people, mm. you know, I disclose personal information to safe people. So I do think, though, that when people haven't had others in their lives struggling with gender dysphoria yeah. or issues of transgender, they, mm -hmm. they really don't know. And so, you know, I, I think I did see more of that in middle school when we entered the middle school kind of years and people thought, well, you know, let, let me kind of when back up. When you say we entered middle school with yeah, your son. Yeah. Yeah. Let me kind of back up a little yeah. bit. Um, it was a little alarming, the amount of pressure that the kids seemed to be under at the time mm. to identify were they pansexual were they bisexual were they gay were they lesbian were they cisgender were they transgender and I felt bad for them because I wanted to say you don't have to know right now there's a lot of questions it, it, you're you're developing you don't have to give yourself a label right now let's just let things unfold and talk about your questions or concerns and so what happens I think is is people some people perhaps in the schools want to be supportive and that's good because we don't want people bullied. We don't right. want people feeling bad or people dead. Yes. <laughs> so I was like, I'm like, you guys, these anti-bullying campaigns are good. Yeah. So anyway, I'm still yes. a devil's advocate, but I had to jump that in. Yes. <laughs> At the same time, what I'm not hearing is people interjecting and it's okay. If you don't know mm. you're developing, you don't have to label yourself. My loves, you yeah. don't have to label yourself. Yes. And I want that message out. And I don't think it was being, heard so that's probably when i saw the most exasperation like oh you know we're just being whatever i don't know i don't know if dramatic's the right word but mm. people get exas people were getting exasperated but i think at the heart of it that they don't i think if you really have someone who's struggling with these issues in your life it's it's a painful hard difficult challenging issue that there's a lot of uncertainty you don't understand and then that's when the empathy comes in yeah but they have to be willing and wanting to walk with somebody in that well, I even think about like, Kat, I've learned a lot from walking with you and other people who are experienced gender dysphoria. But I remember like, I didn't think as much about the gender, the the bathroom mm -hmm. situation mm -hmm. until I watched tears stream down mm -hmm. your face. Because I, I seriously, I was like, well, yeah, I, I didn't even know what to think about it, to be honest right. with you. I right. didn't even have like, it was like, I'm, that's a thing. Yes. And I want to be compassionate, but I don't know how or why I need to be or what's well, like Jesus. But when I watched you tears streaming down your face. And then you're like, it's not about me trying to make this big old statement. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's I really don't, I want to be no longer a slave to fear. I really feel it's like you're feeling for the other women. Yes. And it's like, you're like, I don't want you to be freaked out. And I also don't want you to freak out on me. Please don't hurt mm -hmm. me. Right. Like, can you please not yell at me? And, and can we, can <laughs> we just share this bathroom? I'm not like a heterosexual teenage boy trying to sneak into a girl's locker room. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're so that, really what you're saying that empathy rose in me i already had yes. empathy but walking with you and and understanding mm -hmm. the experience and sounds then like, you got it well, yes and walking with your son like it, it it makes sense so all right so here let's say i'm a parent and i i um you know i, I have a kid and i'm like wondering if they're wrestling with their gender maybe they're you know elementary or junior high high school and should I like ask them should I what do I do with that scenario yes ask if you have questions ask like, always what would talk be a good question kids. should it be like 
um, do you have gender dysphoria or are you transgender or what's, I don't know. Yeah. I want to just start like, Hey hon, I've, I've noticed this or I've seen this. What's, can you tell me about it? Mm. Saying that now, Kat, I'm going to flip to you. What's, Mm -hmm. what if you don't have a great relationship with your parents? I'm not speaking anything about your parents, but I'm like, what if you, what if you didn't for some reason, what would you, would that be okay for them to ask? Yeah, um, if I had a good relationship and everything was um, everything was open, that would give me a signal that they're safe, mm. that they're that they're noticing something. But again, like your spirit bleeds through. So like if you're if there is maybe a right answer that um, they're waiting for you to say, yeah, mm. then that can kind of uh, shift the mm. the answer. Um, so you want to sure. say what you want them what will get them off your back right mm-hmm. yeah if it's kind of like an interrogative thing of like what do you want this or this mm-hmm. and kind of that um where it's there there might be a, a right answer implied yeah mm-hmm. with that um yeah yeah so kathy you've had the gift of your son so i know there's a lot of parents who it's kind of like they it's like silent silent silence maybe they don't have the precious relationship that it sounds like you have with your son like it's mm-hmm. very open like mm-hmm. even in how you're posturing your questions but they might have all of a sudden it's one big conversation where it's this is who i am i'm mm-hmm. about to transition take me to the hospital if you don't i don't like i know that those are scenarios that happen like take mm-hmm. me to the hospital to be able to transition now like are, okay, before maybe we get there, and maybe you can speak into that too, how a parent could perhaps step into that conversation because they're just reeling at that point. Mm. But what, um, and so is the child because they've just disclosed this very incredibly personal thing. But for you, I know you've thought through some, like how do we walk with our kids even mm-hmm. maybe before we get there? I know you yes. have some some tips that are just, I was like looking through, I'm like these are just good parenting tips mm-hmm. of like, not not even only with transgender or gender dysphoria, kids wrestling with gender dysphoria, but how can we walk with our kids uh, as they're wrestling with anything? Yeah. The top three that stand out in my mind that has specifically helped me and I think my son, but then I have like these tips overall, like just a parenting approach that I think would work uh, both for gender dysphoria and other issues. So, um, you know, from early on um, with all of my kids, I focused on from time they were born on teaching them an emotional vocabulary so they could always tell me what they're feeling. Mm. Um, it starts off with mad, glad, sad, scared, kind of basic feelings, and then it develops and, and broadens as they go on so that they always had a way to tell me what they're thinking, feeling, mm. wanting, needing. The second thing is I've always tried to be an attuned parent, um, tuning into what they're feeling, thinking, needing, wanting, so that even if they couldn't express it, I could initiate. What would that sound like, being a tuned parent? What would that um, so if they couldn't, they didn't really say it, but let's say you're observing some of this, like maybe it's not just dissonance with gender, but it's just like unrest storminess is what I would call it. Like what would a sentence be like for an attuned parent? At what age? <laughs> That's a good point. Let's, let's go with 16 year old angst. Ooh, six, oh, that's hard without a situation. Okay. Um, I think kind of just how I said before, like, are, are you okay? It, it looks, you know, I don't know. Like you look kind of upset. Are you okay? Are you having a hard day? Okay. And just um, asking yeah. even the obvious questions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
So all that stuff I did from early on, when mm-hmm. when we when we thought that the gender dysphoria was really kind of not going anywhere, it was mm-hmm. staying. Um, I had promised, I'd vowed to him, you will never be alone in this. I will always be with you. You'll never be alone. If you fall, you're going to be in my arms because I'm going to pick you up. Mm-hmm. So he's always had that sense of security. So. You know, broadening it out, though, I mean, I know parents could be listening going, well, my kid is older. What do I do? So it's never too late to start. Good heavens. It's never too late to start. Um, So I think, you know, um, in terms of parenting, I think, you know, if I do nothing else, I think there's two things that are our main jobs. But the baseline for me would be to teach them about faith, because James says our life is a mist. You know, we appear for a little while and then we vanish, right? So um, if nothing else, I want to teach them the, you know, faith that God loves you, who is God, salvation in him. That being said, that being our pusto, our baseline, our place to stand, what do we put on top of that? It would be to love them well and to teach them skills. Hmm. So under the list of love them well, I one of the points is that I have three mantras, I think, you know, and t- especially in terms of the gender dysphoria discussion. Um, and those mantras are love, 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 listen, 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 and accept, accept, accept. Hmm. So under love, 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 and these are things that the parents who are really kind of in a maybe that surprise crisis state, what's going on? You you don't feel like you're male or female. Mm-hmm. Um, these are the three mantras that they can use. So when you're doing the love part, you're just really getting yourself in a position where you're focusing on listening with both ears open and listening with love and compassion, being open to hear. Mm-hmm. Listen would be, um, what I want to say to them is your goal as a parent is to understand your child as fully and completely as you can. Mm. Drop your own interests and just listen with the goal in mind that your goal is to understand them as fully and completely as you can. Mm. And when you're doing that, you're not doing that with the hope of securing future influence. Well, if I listen to them now and I show them I'm a good parent, then I'm going to, you know, they'll listen to me better and they'll mm-hmm. end up how I want them to end up. It's not about can that. feel that. That's right. Scripture tells us do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests as a parent, but also to the interests of others. Mm -hmm. You are loving your child in that moment, regardless of how, you know, things play out in the future, no matter what the decisions they make, your job is to love them. Hmm. Really put yourself in their shoes. Feel it. Do you feel the kid? When, when your child is is saying that they're hurting and they're confused or they're angry, are you feeling that too? I hope so, because that's hmm. a definition of empathy. I'm going to jump in there because I know sometimes parents or people can be like, but they're hurt and they're confused, but this is all sin, sin, terrible, bad sin. Like that's all that they is in their head. I know. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm working. No, I'm ready, girl. So <laughs> what? I just have to keep getting it from this perspective because it matters. But yeah. what what do you well, it doesn't it, it, it matters because this is a reality. So the, I think I watch people's hearts grow cold because mm-hmm. they're like, well, that's a sinful. Yeah. And I know I, I could jump in at myself like gender dysphoria is real. Like mm-hmm. this is not, not intentional some made up, no. you know, like. I just think that this would be a really great thing to do would be to live in fear and anxiety (laughs) and be ostracized Mm -hmm. and like, Kat, is that real? Is that what you did? You chose this? Chose that. Oh. No. <laughs> Note dripping sarcasm. Uh, so it is not a willful decision. Yeah. Nobody wakes up wanting to feel dysphoric about yeah. their gender. Mm. Um, it is not a willful choice at all. It's not intentional. 
Um, I think what happens is parents and even church members do this as well, where they use scripture because they are uncomfortable. Mm. They're scared. They feel guilty before God if they don't. They're, they want to help, but they don't know what to say. They're really uncomfortable. So they blurt out scripture mm. to soothe their own selves, to calm their own self. Yep. So in doing so, that's a selfish act. They're not using scripture. Mm. For example, in a, in a you know, if you think of a close friend that you have and you're really just comrades, you know, and journeying together. Mm. When you two bring up scripture, you're doing it within the context of a loving, supported relationship. And you're talking about scripture genuinely as just it applies to your life. And sometimes you talk about scripture and sometimes you don't. It's the same thing. I feel like, you know, I was thinking about Jesus when he was tempted by Satan. Satan confronted him with these temptations and Jesus fronted scripture. Mm. Each time he used scripture, he was in battle. He was Mm. battling Satan. Mm. This is not a battle. When you are with your son or your daughter, they're not engaging in battle with you. They're in pain. Mm. Listen to them. Put your sword down. The Bible is the sword of the spirit. Mm. But nobody is entering battle. You listen with love. And even if their sentences sound like battle, so they may even be like, but I hate you, but you are, you you do this, you do this. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. And so they are an image bearer of God. And so we want to love them and connect their hearts. Like, like we've been walking with Kat of connect their hearts to the heart of the father. This is, we're going to be listening for, for lies. But even in that moment where they're sharing their pain, don't point them out. <laughs> Don't point mm. those lies out. Just listen and love, which brings me to the next, your accept, accept, accept. Yes. So that again, people are going to be listening yes. and that's a trigger word for right, people. Right, exactly. Yeah, let me, yeah, yeah, I should just define that. Yes. When I say accept, I mean absorb and I want you to absorb what they're telling you without an, an immediate negative intense reaction. As parents, we have to gauge and monitor ourselves. Mm. And so, you know, if you feel as a parent, like you're getting really intensely angry or upset, then just lovingly and respectfully excuse yourself from the conversation. If you know you have this propensity to do that, then talk with your kid about it ahead of time. You know, sometimes I get really stirred up and sometimes I might just need to leave because I love you and I don't want to hurt you. Mm. I want to keep our relationship good. And so if sometimes I say I got to take a break, it's Mm -hmm. just because I'm getting overwhelmed and I need some space to think about it. Freeze, Kat, if you heard that (laughs) from a parent, how would that make you feel? Whoa. So accepted. Like really? just yes. Yeah, Even though they're like, Oh, I, I'm gonna need to take a minute because I would be thinking, maybe Steve, you're like me, I'm like, I don't know, are they gonna be feel like rejected? But I hear humility and kindness and acceptance, but I just wanna make sure you would yeah. feel that. Okay. No, I would think like, wow, that's really self aware. And mm. like, um, if I'm a child or like a kid, it would be a modeling mm. like kind of opportunity of kind of like, oh, that's a respectful way that I can, you know, process my feelings mm. emotions and not upset the other person um yeah. and like you know they wouldn't know any different wow that's a life skill we should be doing that anyway even sure. th- your spouse you know sometimes conversations get too heated and you're like okay i i'm starting to sound really irritated with you and i'm just starting to spew hurtful things so i need a break mm-hmm. not that you're doing that with your kid like you're making me mad but it's just like oh sometimes parents just feel so overwhelmed we have an agreement in our house when things got pretty um, intense when we felt like, wow, this gender dysphoria is so far staying, you know, it's not leaving, it's not mm-hmm. diminishing. Um, it was a little bit harder for, for my husband and he found that he was feeling more intensely about things. So we had an agreement between the three of us that for some things, I'd be the one to talk to my son. And then when, you know, 
I kind of figured out maybe a better time to tell my husband that this is what's going on. And my son, my husband, everyone's okay with it. Mm. Because what my husband has said is that sometimes I feel intensely and I don't want to hurt him. Mm. I don't want to hurt his feelings. And so it's an act of love. Can you talk for a second? And I know this is going to be a long podcast, but this is really rich and I want to utilize the the space here. So thanks y'all for taking part in this. And I'm sure you're on the edge of your seat. Here we go. That what you just said, not saying you make me feel intensely mad, sad. I've, I've heard this from parents mm. that they're saying, you don't, my kid makes me feel like this, my kid, or they'll tell their child, you don't know what you're doing to the family. You don't know how mm. this, what you're choosing here or, or what you're doing. Like it's, and I hear it, like, I have to translate. I'm like, mm. oh Jesus, help me, hold me back. But they're saying, this is incredibly hard. I don't know what to do. I am actually really scared and sad. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying that honest yes. sentence, they're they're putting their pain yes. on their child. Yeah. Why is that not helpful? Oh, well, it's not even correct, first of all. Like, the child isn't doing anything. They're not trying to be this way. And so that's why, as parents, you have to be really self-aware to just... Again, put yourself in a posture of love. I'm I'm going to walk in your shoes and be in your space. This isn't about me. Um, and so it, it gets lost. We have to be really self-aware as parents. We have to know how to label and identify our own feelings mm-hmm. and the intensity of our feelings, not just, you know, angry, but livid or not just confused, but I don't know what's more intense than bewildered. Yeah. Yeah. Freaked out, scared. I'm Mm. petrified. Mm. And then to be able to um, know that you don't have to to push the panic button. We have time. If if your son or daughter, if they're not suicidal, if they're not in the throes of like dangerous kind of self-harm, certainly if there's, you know, intense depression or anxiety or Um, substance abuse or dangerous sexual behaviors going on, then yes, seek help. Mm. But if if things are okay, you can have a discussion without pressing the panic button. Stay on top of your own self because if you're not saying to yourself, this is how I'm feeling right now, this is how I'm feeling right now, you can't monitor yourself and put the brakes on for the sake of your child because you're supposed to be loving your child sacrificially, right? That's it. All right, so we're going to try and put a bow on this. No, that's <laughs> not quite it. But we're, no we're going to try and push, push. Those are icky. That was nice. Good job, Kat. <laughs> fist farce. We just did a fist bump with a hand high five. Anyway, um, so we. I just would love to just offer a next step. We're going to push pause on this conversation. And again, this is why it's just another gender conversation that we're doing. And they're so important. I learned so much. This is so rich. But what would you say if, if there's a parent out there that's like looking at their child and of whatever age wrestling with their gender has come out as transgender what would you say would be a helpful next step mm-hmm. um, if you feel like you need support because you need someone else to speak into it you're confused you're overwhelmed certainly seek help you definitely want to seek help like I said if somebody is struggling with major you know depression anxiety substance abuse that whole list that I just mentioned so definitely seek services if that and and if somebody's suicidal you go straight to the ER or whatever acute center is is near you that can deal with that um you know and if not if if there's no crisis per se um certainly seek counseling as as an assist but if you are getting through, if it's just some incongruence and you want to work through it, then, you know, do your own, get your own support, friends, um, you know, do your own research. There's a lot of good resources out there mm. um, that you can learn, you know, more about gender dysphoria. 
I, I asked Matt again, he's not here, but he's here in spirit and through mm-hmm. my words. I said, Matt, what's the number one thing? He works with a lot of parents of LGBT mm-hmm. kids. And I said, what's the number one thing parents need? And he said, they need a place to lament mm. or to grieve their pain, a safe place to get those feels. So instead of on your kid and be like, you're making me feel this, but a mm-hmm. safe place where they can go and be like, this is so yes. painful. And yes. so I know y'all can reach out to Matt. You can reach out to me, to Kathy. I know that you walk with parents and with people. I also would recommend Preston Sprinkle's Grace Truth book. And actually, the it's the small group curriculum 2.0 is going to come out at the end of this summer. And that is about the the whole gender conversation. And it's really, if you're like, I just need some ABCs of this mm-hmm. thing. I am still overwhelmed after listening to this podcast. That would be a really great start. I'll, I'll also link some books and articles for those of you who want to, to read some things right now. Kat, for someone who's listening, identifies as transgender or wrestling with gender dysphoria, or, or what would you say to them? What would you want them to hear from you? I would say um, seek out somebody who is safe, um, that you feel comfortable with, and that you feel like will hold um, mm-hmm. you know, what you're about to say and, and kind of your feelings with you. Um, I would also say that you don't have to know everything. You don't have to um, yep. have everything figured out to explain it to somebody who doesn't know um, that you can kind of be in that wrestling and not sure. Um, And I think another thing for sure is that you don't have to be male or female. You can be you. Mm -hmm. And I feel the most comfortable when I am identifying as transgender. It was when my dysphoria was really bad that I felt like I had to choose a side. Mm -hmm. And so with finding peace in my name, Cat, mm-hmm. and um, that being who I am, I think those those are some big, big things. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Cat. Um, so I am probably just going to fall on my face and, and worship God after this. I don't know, but in my heart, I will for sure. So just thank you, both of you, Kathy and Cat, and um, for being here and sharing your stories and your wisdom. And I'm so glad to just kind of to take another step with you and, and with this podcast, with our listeners in this gender conversation. Yeah, thank, so you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, our question of the week for next week is about friendship. And we're going to have a, an expert on codependent friendships, actually. Um, and so my question is, is the term best friend biblical? I have had many conversations with people about this term best friend. Oh, I'm seeing some good smiles in the room because <laughs> this is maybe something we've thought about. Um, I also just want to throw out to you all. So a, a HIMH, Hold My Heart Ministries, we equip Jesus followers with a gospel-centered approach to sexuality. And so uh, we equip whole teams. We go into churches and we try and train you how to do what I am doing with Kat, this whole walk alongside while taking my controlling fingers out of Kat and trying to connect Kat's heart to the heart of the Father. Um, I want to teach y'all how to do that. So I want to take this grace, truth theology and be like, how, how is that? How's that work? So we do that in person through this journey. Well, we call it journey. Well team. You can find that on our website, himhministries.com, as well as these journey. Well individual, which is these webinars that are our focus, which Kat and I did the mentor one before. Um, and we'll likely do it again. We're working on that. Um, but I also just wanted to say, this is a support based ministry. And so if you like what you hear here, 
We would love your partnerships of whatever amount per month or just a one-time thing to just be like, hey, I see you guys. I appreciate it. Um, and you can donate. We're a 501c3 nonprofit. And so you can look at our, I believe it's the partner link on HIMHministries.com. And anything, it really is just such a smile and just like, it's just like a thank you for what you're doing. So if you appreciate what you hear here, we would uh, so appreciate your partnership in this thing called the gospel. So thanks so much for listening to this gender conversation for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast. We will see you next week. All this time I was losing control, chasing a life that would steal my soul. Too many faces, too many lies, too many hands trying to steal this prize. We all got demons, we all get scared on our knees open. Someone cares All we need Is a little Honesty Right now We're still Fun fact, Kathy, her only other podcast she's done was with the Goo Goo Dolls. The Goo Goo Dolls. What? Yeah. No joke. Jealous. So it's like with her, the, their fan, their top fan club. I, we were trying to understand this, but she's like met them. She is a, she is a super fan. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. has like They're lyrics memorized that are like mm-hmm. really sweet. Mm-hmm. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Best song of all time. The Goo Goo Dolls. It's called Sympathy. What's your favorite line? I wish for things that I don't need and what I chase won't set me free. It's a guidepost for my life. Oh. Can we like add sympathy coming in? Like, Ooh, wouldn't that be good? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that will be a part of it. Sympathy, the song. Yeah. End with Souls in the Machine. You know? I don't, I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) Steve does things. (laughs) Steve is magic. I'll find what I can. Uh, we got licensing issues if we play a full song, but we could play yeah. pieces of those. Especially if you take a clip of yeah. what we were talking about. Yeah. It was recording? Uh, that all was recording, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. just saying. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Snap, crackle, pop. <laughs>